to collect those, and um, if uh, something comes to mind as we travel along, then uh, we'll have another chance at the end to, to gather those also. Uh, I conducted a homeschool experiment this week and when a large mass and is multiplied by a small amount of speed and applied to a joint of the body, it equals pain, visits to the doctor, x-rays and a stool as I preach. So uh, uh, that's what's going on there. But uh, it's, my ankle is better than it was. Besides, we're told that Jesus went to the synagogue, sat down and, you know, open the book of the law. So, uh, I feel like I'm very biblical. Uh, we've been working through the uh, sermon series about the good news. And it's... I, you know, I just believe, I've really enjoyed this series, I hope that you have as well, just reminding ourselves that our faith, everything we do is grounded in good news, right? It's not grounded in law or rules or tradition or, you know, legend, but in, in a message of good news from God. And so, we've spent these, it's eight weeks so far talking about this, this topic and the message that's at the core of our faith. We began with creation, right? I know so often when we want to say, what's the gospel about? Tell me the gospel. We go, well, it begins with Jesus. Right? But I want to suggest it begins with creation, that God had a plan for the world, a plan for humanity, uh, a, a dream, a goal in mind, and so uh, as we've we started in creation, and we we worked our way through to the return of Christ to to eternity, we've gone from the Alpha to the Omega, from the beginning to the end. So now what? You're like Peter, you should be on to the next le next series now, right? So I hope that one of the things that we've made clear throughout this sermon series is that when we talk about the gospel, what is the gospel? What is the good news? That when we, we have that conversation, we're talking about what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. Okay? It doesn't mean that we do nothing. But it does mean that nothing we do is part of the gospel. I think about that. Saying that the gospel is about God doesn't mean that we do nothing. But it means that nothing we do is part of the gospel. None of those things up there 
We've got a different font, don't we? God is one word, okay? That is not <laughs> go D, okay? No, it is God. But none of the things that we do show up there, okay? Who is it who creates? It's God. Who is it that keeps his promises throughout history? It's who is it who left heaven to become human? Who is it that died on a cross? Who is it that came to life again? Who is it that sits on the throne of heaven? Who sent the Holy Spirit to live within us to be his presence when he's absent in the flesh? And who is it who will one day return? No, the answer is God, whether that be in the form of the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. The answer is still God, that it is God who does these things. It is God who is the good news. And we are the recipients of the good news. So what is our role in this good news story? What is our role in the gospel? Our role is to respond to the good news. Okay. Um, everybody here know the story of Cinderella? Okay. Now, today, there's only one story of Cinderella. Right? It's the authorized Disney version. Okay. Um, and, but, but it goes back hundreds, maybe thousands of years. This idea of the, the rags to riches, back to rags again. Uh, a pauper becoming a princess, becoming a pauper becoming a princess. You know, and so in different cultures, and 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 these tales have been sort of consolidated over the years, until we come to the authorized Disney version, that is the authoritative version today. Whether it's animation or live action doesn't matter. It's the authoritative. Disney version. And even though all that work has been done, gathering these legends from different societies and putting them into a, a, a uniform, an authorized version, right? And that's taken centuries to take place. Has the story of Cinderella changed your life? Right? Are you a better person today because Cinderella lost her glass slipper. And because the prince tracked her down and was able to pair it with her. Okay. Are you a, a better person today because Disney uh, omitted the part of the tradition that where the wicked stepsisters actually cut off, got knives and cut off their heels trying to fit into the slipper and sanitized it? Did that, does that make you a better person? It wouldn't matter which version you have. It doesn't change your life. And so when we hear the story of good news from God, it's not just, yes, God does all these things. We believe it's true, it's real, it happened, it, it, it's, it's actual. But then the in and of itself, it's good news. It's gospel but then the question is, how do we respond to that good news? Does everything that God has done and said throughout history, 
does that change our lives? The New Testament writers repeat over and over that the power of the good news is in the good news itself, not in what we do. For instance, let's have a look at Romans chapter 1. And here the Apostle Paul writes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. You see, the, the story, the, the teaching, the, the thing that is good news, not just the, the, the teaching, but the events that, that took place that it describes, then they, those things are the power of God, that through them, He can bring salvation to everyone who believes, whether Jew or Gentile. But, but the power is there not in the people who believe. The power exists in the gospel whether people believe it or not. And then we can turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. And this is a, a fantastic chapter. It lays out the good news of all that God has done for us. And I encourage you to go through and read this. And as you're reading, get a sheet of paper and just jot down and say, what are the things in this chapter that God is doing? Okay. So I put up here on the screen verses 4 through 10. And you can see I highlighted um, the, the, the name of God as it shows up through there. But let me, let me just read these verses for us. Uh, Ephesians, sorry, chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so we could keep reading down there, and we're going to say, what does it mean to live into this good news story? But, but what it means, first and foremost, is that God is doing all this stuff that we get to benefit from, that we get to participate within. I particularly want to draw attention there to verse 8. It is by grace we have been saved through faith. This isn't from ourselves. It's a gift from God. Okay. So as we read down through there, it's not until we get to verse 10 that we're told that there's anything for us to do. So the whole first nine verses of this chapter are talking about what it means to be alive in Christ, to, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. And, and in verse 10, we're finally told that there are some good works 
that God's created for us to do. Doesn't tell us exactly what they are, doesn't even say go get busy, he's just telling us this is what God's doing. Okay? And, and the, there is a purpose for each of us out there. Because even here, the focus of the passage is on how God has created us in Jesus for the purpose of doing these works. And we'll get around to what it is, but that's down the road. In talking about the gospel, the focus always needs to be upon God, not us. So how do we respond to the gospel? If we've had eight weeks of talking about the good news of God, the good news of of Jesus, how does that change our life? How do we respond to that? How does it make a difference in our lives? We respond with faith. We're saved, we're told there in verse 8 of Ephesians 2, we're saved by God's grace. Okay, Not by us, we're saved by God's grace, but we're saved through faith. Faith is the the key, if you will, that opens the door to God's grace. When we talk about faith, it's a big word. The the biblical writers use it in different ways. For instance, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a famous passage about love, it it closes with this well-known statement that says, and now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. What's the faith? What what, what is it? Because faith, right? Faith that the walls of this building are going to stay up until at least 12 o'clock today? Right? Right. That's faith. Is that what it's talking about here? You see, it doesn't say what the faith is talking about. Faith sort of isn't anything unless it's in something. Right? You see, it's what the faith is in that matters. You see, If you have faith that I'm going to hand out candy at the end of this sermon, your faith is misplaced. Right? If you have faith that there'll be candy in the parking lot at some point this morning, your faith may be on more solid ground. Right? But, but it's not faith in and of itself. That, that, that means anything. Faith is a generic thing. It means like we trust, we, we have faith, we, we believe, we have confidence. But so when we say we're saved by grace through faith, faith is just a concept at that point. Faith, hope, love. In a sense, they're all concepts until they become actions. And so while it lists faith with hope and love as a desirable virtue, it doesn't define faith. Faith in what? Faith in who? It seems to me that faith as used in this context is kind of a shorthand way for saying relationship with God. Okay? Faith, we'll talk about faith in a, a church setting, in a, in a Christian setting, as, as being shorthand for relationship with God. How's your faith today? What we're asking is what? You know, do you have faith that other drivers are going to stay on their side of the road as you 
go home today? That's not what we're asking, is it? If we, if we sit here and we say, how's your faith? What we're saying is, how is your relationship with God this morning? And, and so faith has, has that meaning. Uh, and, and maybe sometimes we use that word without thinking about it. So how do we respond to the gospel? Through faith first. It's by wanting relationship with God. That, that we've heard this message of good news that begins a creation that runs through history to Jesus and then off into the future. And we say, yeah, I want that good news. I want that story to be part of my life. I want that person to be part of my life. And so I, I, I desire that relationship with God. That is faith at its most basic level. Second, we respond to Jesus' message of good news by having faith in Jesus. Okay. By having faith in Jesus. Faith always needs an object. And the object needs to be Jesus. You see, our faith isn't in the ability of James, John, Peter, and Paul to lead the church into the next millennium. Our faith is in Jesus. Jesus may have had faith in James and John and Peter and Paul and Andrew and said, I believe in you, I have faith in you that you can lead the church into the next century, that you can establish something, that the gates of hell will not be able to, you know, knocked down, that it, it will go out into the world and overcome the world. He said, I believe that you could be the people that start that. So Jesus had faith in them, but our faith is not in them. Our faith is in Jesus. He is who he says he is. His words are true, and he's done what he says that he's done. The third point about our faith, the way we respond to God's good news, is that we have faith in God's story. Yes, we have faith in the person and in the teaching of Jesus. But we have faith in the good news that God has been building, that God has been working ever since creation. God didn't wake up in the year zero right there between the BC and the AD and say, you know what, things aren't going the way I hoped they would. I'd better do something about this. All right, let's, have a, let's huddle up here in heaven. We'll have a holy huddle up here and then let's figure out what we're going to do. All right, and they come up with a game plan with X's and zeros and, and next thing you know, Jesus has been born. That's not how it worked. God has been working to, uh, <laughs> I use this sort of old-fashioned word, to, to woo humanity to Him, to, to experience His love, to, to be attracted to Him, to, to understand His grace and His kindness throughout history. And that is ultimately expressed in Jesus. But we have faith in the story of what God has been doing in the world. Not a Cinderella story, but a, a real 
story of what God's been doing. Because if God has been doing that, we read from the Psalms, right, of the description of what God did to bring his people out of Egypt. And, and what we say when we hear that is if God did that for them, what can God do for me? What will God do for us in the future? We have faith in the good news that God has been building ever since creation. The fourth thing we have is that faith isn't static. Okay. Faith isn't static. We can't set it and forget it. Faith grows. Faith changes. Right. Can you relate to that? Have there been times where you've gone through life and you're like, oh, you know, I'm not really sure that faith is changing anything, right? My, my Christianity, my following Jesus, might be more an exercise in routine than it is in faith, right? I get up on Sunday morning, I go to church, I stay there for however many hours, I go home, I go to work, I go to school, I do the things I do during the week, and then I roll back up to church the next Sunday morning. And, and we get in this routine, we go, yeah, God's being really good to me. But we can't actually look at our lives and say, yeah, I'm living a life of faith. What we're really doing is living a life of routine. That as long as you know, the, there's no construction on the road to work, as long as I keep my job, as long as my grades at school are, are doing okay, as long as you know, there's no crisis in my family, as long as these things are happening, it's like, oh, my faith is great. But if we're totally honest, what we're saying is my routine is consistent. And our faith may actually be low. Because what happens now when we get a diagnosis from the doctor that we weren't expecting? Or a loved one does? Now, now we need our faith, don't we? Now we discover if our faith is going to get us through those periods in time when our uh, routine is interrupted because what we actually do is we develop this faith uh, that the way life is is the way it's always going to be i remember i was in college and and i, I heard this this story i, I can't remember what it, why they told it but it was about a rooster and the rooster got up every morning and it it, it crowed and uh, it crowed and then the sun came up and the rooster said, you know, it's my crowing that brings the sun up. And, and he did that every morning. And, and it happened every morning. And he said, this is the way the world is. This is the way I understand it. Except one day, the farmer came down to the hen house with a sharp axe. The next morning, the rooster didn't crow. And the sun came up. And so the rooster had fallen in love with a routine and the routine gave him confidence as to how the world operated. I think sometimes we can do the same. And so our faith needs to grow. Right? Um, isn't this kind of what we're talking about? That faith isn't something static. That... that it may start as a mustard seed from a small beginning, and there are times in our lives when it will flourish, where it'll be strong. There'll be other times where we feel like it's weak because, because we're so struggling so hard 
Maybe sometimes it's actually that our, our faith is strong, just that the hill is steeper than we've been accustomed to. And so we need to adjust our expectations. We need to, to understand that even as we talk about faith being the, the key that opens the door to the grace that saves us, that the grace is what saves us, right? And then whether our faith is up or down, wherever we are, if we're in a ladder, on a boat, under a rain cloud, how far or how close we are to the end of the journey, that our faith is not what's saving us. It was, our, it was God's grace that saved us at the beginning of that journey. There's faith that keeps us moving forward. Our faith grows more through adversity than it does through prosperity. Amen. The final point I want to leave us with today is that the gospel isn't only something to believe. Because I think we could say this we could say, what is the gospel? And then we teach a class on it. Or we teach eight sermons on it. Right? And you go, oh yeah, I can explain the gospel. Right? I know what the good news is. But the gospel has to be so much more than that. You see, Jesus lived the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is not a philosophy. It's the way he lived. It's what happened. It's what God has done through the world, through, through history. And so for us, the gospel isn't only something to believe, right? Do we all believe Cinderella? Right? We do, don't we? And, and so it's not just something to believe. The gospel is something to be lived. In Philippians Chapter 1, in verse 27, Paul tells the church there, he says, live a life worthy of the gospel. In some ways, that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> How can I do that? How can I live a life worthy of the gospel? It's kind of like each Sunday, we, we say, examine yourselves, you know, to see if you're, what, worthy to take the Lord's Supper? No, I'm never worthy. To have Jesus die for me? I'm never worthy to have God come to earth in the form of a, a, an infant. I'm never worthy to have the Holy Spirit live within me. Right? I, I'm never worthy, but Paul is able to say, live a life that is worthy. What he is saying is, let the gospel infuse your life. Let it be the basis of your decision-making. Let it be the basis of the way that you treat other people. Let it be the basis of what you say and the way that you say it. Live a life worthy, consistent with the gospel of Christ. You see, faith sometimes can mean belief, right? Do you believe? Do you have faith that people will drive on the correct side of the road as you go home today? Mostly, right? Mostly. But now, it has to have action. What are you going to do? If you had no faith that people would drive on the correct side of the road today, how long would you stay here at the church building? Yeah, right? right? You'd be like, 
If I wait till midnight, there might not be much traffic. I can make a run for it. Okay? Faith is belief that leads to action. Believing that Jesus was a real historical person, that's not faith. That's history, right? Believing, though, that Jesus was a real historical person who was God in the flesh, who can and has forgiven my sins and will give me the gift of eternal life, now that's faith. But it's still sort of an intellectual faith because it doesn't mean that I'm living by faith. Living by faith means that I'm committing to following Jesus. That's why I... We talked in our, we're talking in our men's class on Wednesday night. We're talking last week in our growth groups. What does it mean to, to follow Jesus? Right? We saw in our reading from uh, this morning how Jesus told his disciples, if you're going to come and follow me, you have to take up a cross. Right? You, you have to put your money where your mouth is. You have to put your, your faith into action. And so... There's steps that we have to take. That's how we live the gospel. The gospel is something that is lived, not just believed. Jesus is a person who loves us. That's good news for us. And so we love other people. Jesus is someone who has made forgiveness of our sins possible, not just forgiveness for a little while, but total forgiveness. That's opened that door for us. And, and that's good news for us. And because of that, we show forgiveness and patience and compassion to others. And we do these things not to earn our salvation, not even to maintain, to keep our grip on eternal life. We live this way because the good news of Jesus has infused our character, has infused our lives. And so we live the good news and the people around us are blessed because of that. Because we have faith that God presents a better way to live because the good news is lived, not just believed. Amen. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> How are we doing? <clears throat> right? How are we doing? And, and, and I think this is where we really run into problems because we have this message and we talk about how good it is and how it's good news and how you know, God's love overflows through us to people around us. And they go, okay, well, well, why did God say that to me in that way? Why did God cut me off in traffic that way? Why, <laughs> like, like, can we go back and redefine what good news is? Because your good news doesn't seem to be blessing me in the way that I thought it would. We say, well, the good news is that for all the times I mess up, I can be forgiven, and over time, I can grow, because my faith grows and my character grows. Repentance and baptism are also two specific actions in response to the message of the gospel. From day one of his ministry, even before day one of his ministry, John the baptizer begins this message. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
And, and sometimes when we, we hear repent, what we, we hear if we've been around church for a long time is stop sinning, right? And, and so, again, good luck with that, right? And, and I agree, it's, a, it's part of it. But what he says when he says repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it means reorient the way that you li- see your life reorient the way that you view the world because you're no longer going to live for yourself. You're now going to live for God. You're now going to live for Christ. You're now going to live for the people that God loves around you. Your, your priorities have been changed. You need to change direction, which is what the, the word repent there means. Now, that's going to mean that we seek to eliminate sin from our lives and to honor God with our lives, but it's not just about sin. It's about that we are going to view the world differently. We're going to have a new Lord than we've had in the past. To turn towards God. To follow Jesus. To leave our fishing boats on the shore of the lake or whatever it is that we're hanging on to. We're going to turn to follow Jesus with our lives. And then baptism marks a definitive moment when we submit to the Lordship of Jesus in our lives. It's the moment when we say, when we join ourselves to Christ. When we say, I don't have the answers, I can't forgive myself, I can't get out of the mess that I'm in. And so we join ourselves to His death, having faith that we will then also join in His resurrection to eternal life. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. This is where we turn things around. This is where we we give up on our own strengths where we, we say, I need God's grace. I need the good news. I need God's story and God's presence in my life. I want to immerse myself. I want to bury myself in Jesus. Because when I do that, then I can also look forward to experiencing the blessings, the resurrection, the new life that is revealed in His resurrection. And so through God's grace, He offers this gift of forgiveness and eternal life to everyone. And that's good news, right? In fact, good sort of seems like an understatement. You know, like gospel should mean great news, amazing news, incredible news, fantastic news. Like let's get some superlatives in there, right? Good news seems like the greatest understatement of the ever, okay? But this is the good news. And the question that we all have to answer today is how will we respond? And some of us want to say, you know, I was baptized 50 years ago. Praise God. Praise God. I'm so thrilled if that's your answer. If, If that's your answer that you were baptized 30 or 20 or 10 or two days ago. Praise God. Because that is the beginning of our relationship. Okay, of our commitment to walking with Him, to following with Him. 
But the question is still there for us. How will we respond to the good news of God in an ongoing sense? Because the good news of God did not finish with the resurrection of Jesus. And the good news of Jesus did not finish with my baptism. The good news continues to be something. The gospel continues to be something that I live, not just believe. It continues to grow as God's Spirit grows within me. If you have never started your life journey with Jesus, if you've never said, I want that good news to be my good news, then I invite you to consider making that change. I encourage you not to delay on that. Will you make that decision to be baptized, to join your life with Jesus and to begin a new life as a child of God? I encourage you to think about that. But if you have been baptized, if you have made that decision, if I, I want to just prompt you to say, what does it mean for you to live the good news? Because I think so many of us, so often, if we were to say to the people around us, does my life exude good news? I'd say, well, not yesterday. You were kind of grumpy. How many yesterdays are there? Does your life incorporate the good news of Jesus into all you do as you follow him? I'm so glad that Larry is leading these songs today as we focus on remind ourselves of different aspects of the good news. And as you read through, as I've been reading through scripture and looking at different passages, I see, yeah, look, it's talking about the return of Christ. That's one of those good news items, right? And, and they just sort of jump off the page at me a little bit more as, we, as I, I read through. And, and I hope that you have that experience as well. Because we're living our life, not because it's a, a fire insurance policy to come to church, but because it's good news that changes our lives for the better.